Welcome everybody, this is Don't Tell Mom, the Babysitter's Undead Horror Podcast. I am Chelsea, with me is Nicole, and today, this is, this is our 13th episode, we are watching 1999's A House on Haunted Hill. Uh, we're definitely doing our 90s streak still, but this is a really good movie, so I hope you enjoy it. And the beginning of this movie is, like, it takes a while to, like, pick up. It has, like, really creepy visuals. It kind of reminds me of, like, the beginning of Seven, but, like, cheesier. But um, this movie is actually pretty cool. The CG in it is really cool. Yeah, I I was pretty impressed, actually, (laughs) with what they did with it for 1999. And I always get this movie mixed up with, the Haunting with Owen Wilson and Catherine Zeta-Jones. That one sucks, too. That one sucks so hard. So bad. So bad. But, so this um, one has um, the great Allie Larder. She was, like, super... This is, like, the peak of her career. Uh, Tay Diggs. What's his name? What's the guy who plays Vincent Price in this? Wait, what? Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey Rush is in this. Oh, yeah. He's Jeffrey com- Rush. He completely over overacts. It's comical. <laughs> and uh, and then, of course, my personal favorite, Chris Kattan. Um, <laughs> I don't think we've ever talked about this before on the show, but I have a love affair with Chris Kattan. A few years ago on Facebook, I actually changed... All of my Facebook photos, cover photos to Chris Kattan because I really wanted to make him relevant again. Um, hashtag Chris Kattan, but it just never really picked up. <laughs> well, there's probably good reason for that. Um, I think he had a pretty big cocaine problem. <laughs> in Did the, he? <laughs> yeah, in the mid-2000s. I have stories to tell probably about that, Probably because his actually. career was over. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, this was probably like summer of 2006 and I had just moved back home for the summer from school from my freshman year at college. And, uh, I was working, I was waiting tables in a restaurant in Shreveport and I guess Chris Kattan was there filming something cause that's when Louisiana really started <laughs> to, to pick up big, um, especially in North Louisiana after Katrina kind of ruined New Orleans for all the filmmakers so he's he's staying there, and um, I came into work one day, and this girl, Courtney, that I worked with was late, and she was kind of a fucktard, and we were like, <laughs> she's always late, but I took all of her tables, so I wasn't too mad about it. Was so she, she hot? In, like, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> she did a lot of cocaine, so she got really skinny in like two months, but she wasn't cute. Oh, that's what I um, need to do. <laughs> right just do a bunch of drugs i just need to do like a cocaine diet and be good for bathing suit season beach season right <laughs> meth it does a body good <laughs> um so she strolls in like an hour and a half late into her shift huge smile plastered on her face and i'm like so did you have like a fun night were you out partying like why are you late <laughs> and she's like Oh my god, Nicole, I had sex with Chris Kattan. <laughs> Just like that. She had an incredibly obnoxious voice, and I'm like, what the hell? And she proceeds to tell me this story about how her and her brother were at a bar, 
And they saw the night before and they saw Chris Kattan sitting at the bar. And so she's doing all these, you know, drunk, obnoxious things like shouting at him like, do gay Hitler, do Mr. Peepers. <laughs> like, That's all I can think of like, him during sexual activity, too, is, is or like mango. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to get there. <laughs> I got all the deets. Sickening. So she she's like, um. She's telling me the story. She said that she thought she was being really obnoxious. He just kind of like waves to him and ignores them. And then his manager or like PA comes up to her and is like, hey, he would like to buy you a drink, yada, yada. So she sits down and starts talking to him. First of all, I love going, that how he like has someone else go and ask her out. Go and it's pick like up women. Dumb and Dumber where he has well, I, Harry well, I feel like maybe go it's and because like, ask out Mary Swanson <laughs> instead of him so he can put out the vibe by the bar. I mean, he is like five feet tall, so maybe he didn't want to get off the bar stool and have to like hop down. And is he? <laughs> look is like he, a little yeah, weenie. he does remind me that it would be that he would be real small. But yeah. maybe he has like a third thigh, aka a ginormous weenus. <laughs> uh, I don't know. She didn't really comment on that. Surprisingly, she would have told me everything. It must have been unmentionable. Yeah. But uh, she said that they go back to his hotel room and they do a bunch of coke and she gets drunk. She like knocks over and breaks a champagne glass and he's like Classy. fucking annoyed. <laughs> I know. He's like really annoyed. And then she says they have sex, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I imagine it's like having sex with, like, a chimpanzee. She's like, it was exactly like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> she I would said be the so best dry. Part, the best part was that afterwards, he walks her to the elevator and hands her, like, 200 bucks. I guess, like, I was, she's like, he gave me, like, 200 bucks to get a cab. What an idiot. Cabs don't cost 200 bucks. And I'm like, oh, my God, he thought you were a fucking hooker, Courtney. That's not just cab fare. <laughs> and then that's that same time frame that he was in Shreveport, my best friend at the time, uh, her boyfriend worked at the movie theater. And I guess Chris Kattan came to, like, watch a movie and he said that he kept coming out of the theater like obviously coked up and he's like oh my gosh man it's like really really hot in there can you like turn up the air and then he'd come out like <laughs> 10 minutes later and be like oh my god it's like really fucking cold what can you guys do can you turn the heat on keep in mind it's the middle of the summer in louisiana it's like 100 <laughs> degrees outside 100 percent humidity <laughs> like i imagine that's why we don't see him anymore i think that maybe he got his problem Probably got the best of him. Poor Chris Kattan. I'm still going to keep trying to make him relevant. Come back. Uh, so anyways, in the movie, uh, what has started, we saw kind of a, uh, a haunted, well, it's not haunted yet, an asylum um, for you know crazy people. And we saw that the patients rioted and killed everybody. Uh, like the nurses and then um, the, the main doctor who was like a sadistic surgeon or something. And everyone got trapped in the house because there's a kill switch that you can throw that um, like iron, like sheets will come down over all the windows and doors. So you're basically locked like prison in. Prison lockdown. Yeah. It's... Right. So um, a whole bunch of people died in this massacre. Um, so that's a backstory. And then we lead into... Um, 
He wasn't supposed to be Vincent Price, but he became so Vincent Pricey. It's Jeffrey Rush. His last name in this movie is even Price. He has a little John Waters mustache. Super creepy. Uh, but apparently he owns amusement parks, and he's walking around with Lisa Loeb. She is um, a reporter, and so she's talking to him about his new roller coaster that um, she's going to try out. He just opened this new amusement park. So, yeah, like, I read that Jeffrey Rush wanted to go for, like, he wasn't trying to look like Vincent Price. He was trying to look like um, Mr. Waters, but but ended up looking like Vincent Price. And I thought that sounded strange because I always just assumed that John Waters was trying to look like Vincent Price. Like that was his name. Maybe it was just full Um, circle. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, (laughs) his name in this movie is, you know, Stephen Price. It's a throwback to uh, Vincent Price's, the original um, House on Haunted Hill. Um, There aren't too many similarities between the two movies um, because in the original it, it, there isn't really a ghost. It's all um, kind of about people and, um, you know, this couple trying to, like, kill each other. Right. This one's, like, completely different. The only similarity is really, like, the name Price and then spend a night in a supposedly haunted area and you get a large sum of money at the end. And after that, they're just, like, totally different stories. Yeah. And this part right here really bothers me because, so he takes, Vincent Price takes or Stephen Price, what the fuck ever, takes Lisa Loeb and her camera guy up an elevator, which is weird to start a roller coaster and an elevator, but he starts to take them up, and then he totally pretends that something is fucked up, and the elevator kind of does, like, one of those dead drops, like you would see in, like, the Hollywood Tower of Terror or something, and then they realize that, oh, that's part of, that's part of the gimmick, like, you know, that's part of the ride, and... It's, like, really effective for her, but this is a point where it's, like, this would only be cool one time because someone's going to be, like, oh, yeah, dude, when you try the elevator, it's don't be scared. It's just a trick. So it's, like, going to lose out. I mean, this is pre-internet, kind of, but it's going to lose its gimmick in, like, two seconds. Like, I feel like this only was effective for Lisa Loeb. <laughs> That's true. And it's also extremely elaborate that every time this fucking roller coaster runs, like they have this dummy car cart in front of it that like flies off the rails and it turns out it's like supposed to happen. Um, and it's like all these mannequins on it. It's supposed to scare the shit out of you. Um, so they just buy you know, a new roller coaster like every single ride? Like, it just I, doesn't I know, make and I'm like, sense. how do you control where this one like goes off the track like there are people fucking walking around the amusement park (laughs) where does it go never (laughs) no billionaire would invest money in this it is such a liability (laughs) and then even then like the person's gonna be like oh yeah the thing in front of you is gonna be fake mannequins that are gonna fly off so you'd be like okay so you wouldn't even be scared so just be like just a stupid gimmick but i think that we're supposed to just see that he's kind of like a trickster and then his wife, yeah. um, I don't know how to say Samke her name. Jansen. Yes. I love her. I do too. She's so hot and she still is. She's taking a bubble bath and she is Stephen Price's wife. And they obviously despise each other. Um, this is pretty much a business arrangement um, marriage, you feel like. And she was watching some television show that featured that horror, uh, or the, I'm sorry, the psychiatric asylum 
that we were talking about earlier. And she said, this is where I want to have my birthday party this year. And so he's like, all right, whatever. She said that she's sending he, her. He like throws her guest list away. He like makes up his own. Um, and then you see that somebody like hacks into the computer and it's not completely different <laughs> names, <laughs> which it turns out to be ghosts. <laughs> and really good I don't really understand how the ghosts <laughs> knew that they were going to be coming there and also knew how to break into computers <laughs> and use them. Ghosts from the 30s, mind you. Um, <laughs> that thing didn't even have like a, a telephone line distance. either. I don't know how it works. And so we have um, Marilyn Manson plays Sweet Dreams, and we see all of um, it's a shit birthday party because there's only like five people coming, which is weird. But um, we see all of the five people that are coming to stay for the overnight for this party, and it's really random people. Um, um, yeah, and this is where Allie Larder and Tay Diggs come in. All these people are unrelated, don't know each other. Um, I forget the actress's name. She plays Matthew McConaughey's uh, fiance in The Wedding Planner. Yes, um, she's married to like Peter Pete Gallagher Sanford or something. Br- Brittany yeah. Sant, and then uh, and then Peter Gallagher plays Doctor Blackburn. Which Peter Gallagher I always consider to be like the poor man's Jeff Goldblum. He is, but. I also see him as the poor man's, um, the guy, the main guy in Twin Peaks. The the original Twin yeah. Peaks? Yeah. Kyle something. Kyle McLaughlin. Oh, yeah. Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah. He reminds me yeah. of him as well. Nah, he's too, he's he's definitely a Jeff Goldblumy kind. <laughs> Those eyebrows, though. And so now um, uh, we are introduced to Chris Kattan, the star of the show, uh, he is um, like the groundskeeper or something of he's the he's the asylum. owner of the house yeah. technically um, or of the this asylum like his grandfather built it and his dad worked on the renovations or something or the restoration of it um, and they both died, both died <laughs> mysteriously um, and his character is actually um, a parallel to. Mr. Pritchett, uh, Watson Pritchett, and the original. Yeah, and they have the same name. That's um, like, so that's which another... was kind of cool, but the movie is just totally different from the other one. But he's the only like actual same character I read yeah. on IMDb yeah. in my extensive research. There is a doctor in the original, but I don't think his last name is Blackburn. I forgot what his name was, but anyway, he's. <laughs> I don't understand why he's like he had to have been offered an insane amount of money in addition to the million that these people are being offered to stay. Um, I think he actually wasn't even supposed to stay originally um, because he's really panicked about trying to get out um, when they first get in um, right prior to the lockdown that's about to happen. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't because everyone uh, Vincent or price offers him all. Do you want a million on top of what I'm already paying you? And he's like, I wouldn't know what to do with it. So I don't even think, I'm thinking he's probably getting like 250000 or something. And he's just like, fuck it. I want to yeah, get out to, of here. Yeah, to let them use um, And then I love his character because he just ends up getting completely shit-faced, which is probably what I would do if I was in the situation that these characters <laughs> um, end up in. So I really respect him for that because he's just like, fuck it. We're all going to die. I want my scotch! 
<laughs> the clothes. Melissa Mars. I love her fur-lined, like, <laughs> jacket, sweater thing. Her awesome video camera. It's so big. And, like, this is weird. She, like videotapes like a screen glass uh, a stained glass ceiling and she's like this is so weird maybe i could get a tv show out of this how would you get a tv show out of anything that she's doing i don't understand her angle there it's really she's weird. i think she's like a like a she's a really like minor celebrity like i think she hosted a game show or a silly like local talk yeah. show and um she's trying to like do something i think produce something on her own because probably nobody will hire her She's washed up. Um, Allie Larder is blonde, as she should be. I hated her as clear when she had the dark. I hated her as clear because her name was Clear Rivers. And she's wearing, I was really disappointed um, in the middle of that recording when I found out that her name was Clear <laughs> and not Claire, as I had thought for many years. That's from episode nine, y'all. We did on Final Destination. Check it out. We had a fun time with that one. Um, and so they're kind of just standing around in the lobby trying to figure out nobody knows who anyone is. No, they're kind of figuring out that nobody knows who the prices are. So they're like, why the fuck were we invited to be here at this show or whatever? Or not the show, this birthday party. Sorry. I've had three beers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, famke. I don't even see why she has to wear heels. She's Dutch and like seven feet tall. She's so pretty. And and her dress is so 90s and I love it. Oh, everybody's clothes are so 90s. Like the ill-fitting suit that Allie Larder is wearing. Oh, and this is something (laughs) that we learn. I don't know. I'm just going to spoil it now. So Allie Larder says that her name is Jennifer Jensen. That turns out to be false. We find out that Jennifer Jensen is her boss and um Allie Larder that fired fired her her. and so she's going in place of her and that just is another weird plot hole to me it's like well did you know if Jennifer Jensen your boss knew the prices because if they're like oh we know Jennifer and then you show up saying you're Jennifer they're gonna be like um you're not Jennifer so this was like well, she's probably also, like, assuming that there's going to be more than five fucking people at right. this party. that they know, know who and- Jennifer Jensen is. And so it's just like, well, you took a huge risk with, like, trying to, like, pull one over on these people. I just think that is just uh, it's one of those stupid things of this movie. But whatever. It's not really. It's, it's uh, relevant at, like, the very end of this movie as to why that that happens. So... Mrs. Price walks in, and the stained glass ceiling falls down. Tay Diggs grabs her um, out of the way and saves her. And so, like, the night is already like, what the fuck? People are thinking that Vincent, or I keep calling him Vincent, <laughs> that Mr. Price um, is up to this. But he says it wasn't him. But anyways... Chris Kattan is insisting from the beginning that it's the ghosts of um, all of the insane asylum patients and the corrupted murdered doctors um, that are, of course, doing everything. And this is kind of where we hear, like, well, we see the relationship between Mr. and Mrs. Price, and it's very hateful. She comes down, you know, well, after, you know, she almost dies or whatever, she's still just like, hating everyone and she's looking around and she's like I don't know who the fuck any of you people are my this was not who I invited to my party and so she pretty much says that she wants nothing to do with them she's gonna go upstairs I guess they have some sweet upstairs go to bed oh blockbuster I know! Bed! product placement <laughs> blockbuster with a ham sandwich 
Um, this was their last attempt to save all blockbuster. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna bring back Chris Kattan and blockbuster. Hashtag blockbuster video. <laughs> I, I I don't know why they never address it again. Like she's constantly accusing her husband of being homosexual, but it like at the beginning, but then it never comes up again. So I thought that maybe they would hint or they would show him hitting on somebody or um, something like that. He like, does seem like, pretty gay. I mean, he is kind of John Watersy. I mean, he's wearing a, a red cravat. <laughs> <laughs> Under his blazer, so, you know. <laughs> and I don't like the glitter she wears on her eyes because it makes her look like she's trying to be, like, 11. But this was 99, and they did that. I used to do it when I really was 11 and 99. <laughs> but she's... You were not 11 and 99. No, I was, like, 14, maybe, 15. I don't know. I can't do math right now. Yeah, because I... Yeah, I was, like, 13 and I don't remember. They may be in, like, a really loveless, hateful marriage, but I really enjoy their banter. Like, I would have fun in that hateful relationship. It's sexual. I mean, I feel like there is... I mean, there's a very thin line between love and hate, and I just feel like they they like this relationship together. I mean, they're both, like, sadists and masochists. They like yeah. being, like, manipulative, vicious people with biting words. They and- love it. She loves it. He loves it. I would have fun in that relationship for one day, and then I'd be really depressed. But they're rich. Well, that's because you're a normal person and not a psycho. So um, going back to the Blockbuster thing, the reason why Nicole and I so gleefully screamed Blockbuster is we saw there is kind of like a headquarters room where Mr. Price is um, kind of the guy that works with him for like all the special effects in his amusement parks. So he's there. So we are supposed to, and he's watching blockbuster movies, and we're supposed to know that, you know, this is Stephen Price, and um, that there are going to be tricks. And so we're not supposed to know what tricks he's chosen um, and what the house is doing. So this is where, yeah, it's, um, sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Um, and so now we get to the point where they're all kind of in this lounge part. And this whole time that I was watching this movie the other day, Chris Kattan mostly stays in this lounge, which is a really dope lounge. It has like a checkered floor, like a really cool bar, a huge fireplace. And I was thinking I would just like hang out there the whole time. You never see any fucking ghosts in there. And there's booze. I would just be there. And the stained glass already fell. So there's like nothing else that could go wrong except maybe alcohol. Yeah, and there's like food. I would just eat and get wasted and like pass out in one of those leather armchairs and be like, cool, can I have my million? So on that note, we learned that um, Stephen Price is offering a million dollars to those who will stay overnight for, I mean, for the duration of the night. Um. He's obviously not expecting the fact that there is going to be a lockdown and people don't really have a choice if they want to leave or not. So uh, we kind of learn now that this is a type of game. Chris Kattan is so over the top in this. <laughs> Everybody is. And he's not, his character is never funny. Like <laughs> Whenever Chris Kattan screams, even if he's screaming in a very serious way, it's hysterical. Like, if he was my husband and got mad at me and started screaming at me, I would, like, literally just laugh 
which would make him so mad he'd probably like beat me or something but it's like if he was screaming just the way he does it in his like tiny body language i'd just be like sitting there laughing my ass off at him i had an ex-boyfriend who used to scream in my face when he was mad and his eyes would open really wide and i literally would like only be able to laugh in response and that obviously is not healthy for a constructive fight but i would be doing the same thing doug uh Doug and I were fighting one time, and he's screaming at me, and he's really angry, but he had ketchup stuck in his beard, <laughs> so I bust out laughing. He gets super angry. I'm trying to tell him what's happening, and he's not listening, because he's, like, super mad that I'm making fun of him. Uh, well, what human beings, you're so pissed, and they're like, uh, Chelsea, you have spinach in your teeth, and be like, I don't fucking care! Like, I'd just be so pissed. Uh, <laughs> so the, the building starts to lock down unexpectedly. Chris Kattan is like running and freaking out and doing these Indiana Jones like <laughs> He's slides. So trying sweaty to get too. The door. He's like so boys. Um, I really thought he was gonna get crushed. And so obviously, um, this is like not up to fire code, but the lockdown is. Uh, like we said before, you can't. There's like iron sheets. Well, of course, it's not up to fire code. The place like caught fire. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> It actually did. Uh, so they're all locked in, and his line, you stupid asshole bitch, Chris Kattan in his most dramatic role yet. He's so freaked out, but for good reason. But right now, he's just like this tiny, like, little humorous turd. So Dr. Vanekut was the um, kind of crazy doctor at the asylum in the 30s that was doing all of these inhumane experiments and torturous things to the patients that caused them to riot. And I read that they originally considered Marilyn Manson to play Dr. Vanekut. <laughs> Huge missed opportunity. <laughs> he would have stolen the show. I don't know why they wouldn't have done that. Like, his music is all over this whole fucking movie. Anyway. So now they're trying to find where they can find this, like, kill switch or whatever to to get rid of, not get rid of, but, like, undo the, the lock, correct? Yeah, they're, they right now, everyone except for Pritchett thinks that it's one of Price's um, little tricks and little games that he's playing. Um, he's trying, he's like, no, it's the house! The house is alive! Um, he's... <laughs> Really ridiculous. <laughs> so they're trying, um, they're all gonna, of course, split up because it's like a fucking Scooby Doo episode. I, hate, I always and, have hated uh, that. Kind of go and try to. And so yeah, this is where Chris Kattan starts drinking, and I'm just like, I would have fucking hung out with him the whole night because he just sits there drinking and freaking out. I would be so entertained. I want to drink with Chris Kattan, and then I want him to give me $200 afterwards. <laughs> I think you have to do uh, more than that for the 200. The cocaine is just a plus. <laughs> so um, Mrs. Price comes downstairs um, and she sees that the house is on lockdown. She's pissed, but she thinks, oh, my, you know, fucking weirdo husband is up to this. And um, so right now, this is just like a lot of dialogue between people kind of getting characters down like Tay Diggs is kind of the Tay Control guy, Allie Larder, aka Jennifer Jensen Liar, um, aka Sarah, <laughs> kind of um, backs up Tay Diggs. You can tell that they're going to want to hump each other later. Um, no one else is really putting up a stink. The 
the talk show host. Unfortunately, they don't because a shirtless Tay Diggs would have made this movie like amply yeah, better. It's a waste of abdomens and chesticles. Did you say chesticles? <laughs> and so now, um, Mrs. Price says to her husband, "It's time to break out the party favors." And so we do see that he does have a actual gun for everyone that's fucking loaded. So uh, that's that's quite. And this is another similarity to the original that he presents them all in these little miniature coffins. Each gun is contained in, um, which they did in the Vincent Price original. Um, so I thought that that was cool that they kept that. Um, I want to have that in my house and just, like, serve myself, like, dinner and drinks in one of those. Like, I just want to have, like, floating coffins under dry ice just all the time. Maybe if I ever get married, that's going to be, like, my bar or something. People just go up to the, the coffins and get shit. Dreams! <laughs> Dreams. I want, a good, I want a good coffin to store my china in. <laughs> my china! My china! <laughs> my Gina. they keep making fun of uh ali larder's character and calling her a virgin and she's just like she just see she just touched tay Diggs like she's already all over his balls because she's broke and she i think she heard like pro baseball player and she was yeah like, oh, hello but then he says former so she's probably like eh, i'll sleep with him for a while and see if he gets signed again but they never explain what happened like did he get kicked out because he sucks did he hurt himself because he clearly doesn't have any injuries like a gimp leg or anything like that he refused so it. maybe it was a racial <laughs> he thing he refused to take his shirt off i feel like they tried to make him a baseball player just to promote michael jordan transitioning into baseball <laughs> at the time <laughs> that was that was when i was like really young because i think this I did come out so like weird. right after space jam <laughs> i heard that it was something to do with like having like a cover-up that he was suspended from the nba or something so he had to like do something else to make it look like his choice or something I don't know. I don't know if then that's why real. Did, then why did really he try to become either. a pro golfer after that? I don't really give a shit about <laughs> it. So, moving on. <laughs> I don't fucking care. Um, they have all these disgusting, like, glass-encased, mummy, like, mummified, like, disemboweled bodies. So they just went stuff. down to the basement <laughs> like, to try to find... Uh, oh, because the yeah. power went out. So they just are going down to the basement. We have baseball player... We have uh, Jennifer Jensen Faker and Chris Kattan. They go down into the basement. They're trying to find some sort of, like, breaker switch or something. And the basement has, like, glass encased, like, fucking weird-ass, mummified, I don't even know how to even call it. If you guys have seen Westworld <laughs> and, like, before the people get, like, their <laughs> skin put on, it's like that, only, like, horror-themed. And so they're walking through. It's just like um, a really creepy looking uh, asylum like that has like the empty gurneys and the, the flickering lights. And the flickering fluorescent lights, which I'm pretty sure they didn't have fluorescent lighting in 1931. They but... did now. <laughs> the magic of Hollywood. And so the basement's pretty much like a labyrinth, obviously, because it's this, this huge place. Um, and Chris Kattan knows where to go but he's already kind of wasted which is awesome i love him 
He Hashtag also like is so adamant about not wanting to go down there and be like in that part of the house or the asylum and I'm surprised that he went down there so willingly with I them. know. After <laughs> the shit like, fit he luck, threw, so I know. And so, um, in the meantime, Stephen Price went into that little headquarters place where his little henchman is watching Blockbuster, and he's like, dude, why did the why did you throw down the iron <clears throat> sheets lockdown? And the guy's like, oh, I didn't do it. And so, because so Vincent Price thought that that was his friend that did that at first, but he's finding out that no, that that's not what happened. But then us as audience, we're still like, does he like kind of know? Just because Jeffrey Rush in this overacts so much, it's like, are we supposed to be thinking that he is like trying to trick all of us, or like what else is up his sleeve, or does he really not know? I mean, it's just he does really overact in this, and it just. Maybe that's good, though, because you're like, I don't fucking know if he's doing this, if it's ghosts, what? In the butt. It's also a little confusing because they come to this um, kind of room where the brick um, looks like somebody tried to seal it off. They're like, somebody went through a lot of trouble to seal that off. And I'm looking at it, and it's like a brick wall with, like, a hole right in the middle. And I'm like, who makes a brick wall, like, starting, like, going in a circle, circular pattern? And there's no, it, like, mortar no in between the bricks at the top either. first. <laughs> yeah. Like, no wonder yeah, that like didn't they, work. It, like, topples <laughs> over easily, like fucking Lincoln Logs. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln Logs. <laughs> I just learned that those were invented by the son of Frank Lloyd Wright. The more you know. (laughs) (laughs) Nice for broad on that one, Chels. And so now um, there's still the the Tay Diggs and, you know, the whole group I was just talking about. I'm not going to go through all their names. Fuck it. Um, They're exploring the downstairs asylum and they see where there's the um, electro, uh, what's it called? Electro-compulsive therapy, uh, the, um, ECT or whatever room. If you could really call that therapy. I thought about getting that and just because like I have anxiety so bad all the time. And I was wondering if that would help me. But probably not. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I think that would just scar you for life. Just give me a lobotomy. It's bliss. They find this, uh, this what they call a saturation chamber, where it's kind of like a sensory deprivation um, meant to make people uncrazy by putting them in a situation that would make more people crazy. I find it a strange term to call it a saturation chamber when it's really like depriving you of things, not like saturating you with things. Maybe that refers to the amount of sweat that you're supposed to <laughs> produce. I don't know. But when he goes in there, it is pretty scary. Um, so I was actually... Uh, yeah, it is pretty fucked up. This little faction of the mystery gang has broken off, and now Eddie and Sarah are paired up, and... They're course, like uh, Daphne and, um, and... What the fuck's that fucking blonde's name? Fred, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're paired up, and then uh, Mr. Price and Mr. Pritchett have uh, also kind of gone off in a different direction. Um 
she's also we find out that she's like really good at rewiring <laughs> electronics no whole buildings she, she like goes and she's like twisting wires she together. can't even see it either but she like magically does the right one instead of like getting like electrocuted like everyone else in the world would and I love how there's like Without one little hole or anything like- in this one random room where she can twist a few wires together and it like lights the whole place up <laughs> This movie has some of the lamest, like, fucking, like, are you serious? Like, look, she's, like, putting her hand in the hole. She can't even see it. It's, like, all the wires look the same. I don't know. I love it, though. I love it. It's pure cheese. And then she has the audacity to complain about Tay Diggs giving her a boost on her You know she liked that, too. And... Well, I guess it would it would make her unclassy and a loose woman if she didn't pretend to well, not Well, she's like Jennifer it. Jensen now. Jennifer Jensen doesn't get wet when baseball players touch her. I'm sorry, former baseball players. Which he, I don't know, I guess he's just really intuitive. And he's starting to ask her, like, so who are you really? And she's like, oh, I told you who I am. Like, he's figured it out um, based off of nothing. Just because she, like, stuck her hand in the hole and rewired and he was like, fucking presidents of film companies don't know how to do that which that's really like not for you to say maybe the real jennifer jensen's dad was an electrician and she learned that shit so like that has really nothing to do with how he knows it i mean yeah and he clearly has like no other skills considering he doesn't have a job and he's like a former yeah, he doesn't he doesn't know how to do player. shit he does everything <laughs> he contributes nothing and I think he uh, tells her to get out of the way at the end of something, so, you know. And he he was there to give her that boost on the table. That was so, so. hard for him, too. I, well, something was hard for him. <laughs> and so this part, I think, is pretty cool. So we're still with Allie Larder and Tay Diggs, and they're walking around this labyrinth. And um, she is walking around and just talking and being boring, She's confessing who yeah. she really is. And, and um, then she realizes that yeah, she's Yeah, we by realize herself. that, like, Tay Diggs is nowhere to be seen at all. Which I would fucking flip my shit. And instead of turning around and going to look for him, she's like, well, I'll just continue. Yeah. And looking concerned up at the ceiling and random things I shine the flashlight look, on. Look, there's a wheelchair, like, at your and house. And she sees one of those scary old wheelchairs. I know. I have a really awesome antique wheelchair that we got from like an old abandoned like church nursing. Someone probably died in it. Um, Probably. (laughs) It looks like somebody (laughs) died in it. It leaves rust marks every time I move it on my patio. So now she sees through the hallway, she sees Tay Diggs standing there and he's standing there like really weird and his eyes look like when a cat is in the dark and they have those like weird shiny like <laughs> irises glassy yeah. glowing eyes it was like marble and so she's like Eddie and she's pissed because she's like you fucking bailed on me and she's following this guy she thinks that he's like trying to scare her and he's walking away and, and he's walking really slowly and she's running but uh it's like Michael Myers <laughs> but she never catches up <laughs> i know <laughs> And so she's following him, and she follows him into this room where there's, like, this huge vat, like, this huge, like, pot or something. And 
a huge vat of blood. Um, it's like the morgue because you can see the um, cooler drawers where they put the bodies on the slabs. Um, so they they randomly have a vat of blood, which I thought was going to be acid because in the original movie, they have just a random vat of acid like yeah. in the basement and they never explain like why <laughs> it's there. Um, but but it, no, it's a giant vat of blood that conveniently hasn't congealed and hardened or anything after, you know, 60 years, fresh. but he, he jumps in it. He doesn't um, really jump. He Eddie's, just like crumples into in it, it and just like falls weirdly like a little doll. Yeah. He kind of falls. Yeah. Almost like he was possessed and then the demon left his body and he had right. no life force. Um, and so she freaks out Eddie, and she's running to, to kind of go rescue him and she doesn't even like take her jacket off so that her arms don't get like gross like I don't know I guess like time is of the essence in a situation like that and she really gets in there I'm though I'm concerned about my blazer she puts she gets she goes all the way in there to try to get him and so he pretty much disappears yeah. under the blood or whatever and she yeah puts her arm all the way in and she's trying to save him um and she's screaming and you her tugging on something but you don't know what it is. And then she sees Eddie across the room. And then she hears, what, what are you doing? Uh, saying from Eddie. And she's like, what the fuck? And she looks over and Eddie is standing there. And she's like, oh my God, who am I? Like, who is grabbing me? Who am I grabbing in this um, vat of blood? Which that's actually one of my favorite parts of this movie. Cause that's just genuinely creepy as fuck. Like, I don't know. So her blazer comes off and all of a sudden her shirt is like a midriff bearing t- top and which is like so executive of her a blazer with a midriff top. That's where she goes from Jennifer Jensen to whatever her real name is. And so back to the cocktail lounge. I just love this set. I want that cocktail lounge to be my house. I just think it looks so great. Um, pretty much everyone's hanging out there right now. Um, getting drunk, which would, I mean, and Pritchett is getting really wasted, like shit-canned. You actually, you actually, like, constantly see him, like, empty, like, the same <laughs> bottle, like, shake the last drop out of the scotch bottle, like, two or three times. And there's, times. like, a whole bar, like, lit up with, like, tons of bottles, so it's like, why are you trying to milk every last drop out of that scotch bottle? I know. <laughs> And so then we notice that the game show host girl, who I have no sympathy or any sort of anything for her, um, she decides that she wants to make her weird television show, which makes no sense to me. She has her camcorder, and she went down into the basement by herself, and she's just... um, to go find right. something freaky. And she's missing all the action that's happening at the top, all the explanation of this creepy shit. Um, I guess they kill her off because she's like the least interesting character. I was so totally fine that first. she died. I was like, um, cool. This is one of the few films where the black guy does not die first. So kudos to being progressive yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. Bruh. And so um, she's obviously um, being hunted right now by something in the basement of the house. And um, she is looking through, and this part's kind of cool too for, and like we said earlier, like the CG in this movie actually is not very bad. And this movie is older, but it's aged okay. Like it still looks okay. And so she's looking through like the viewfinder, whatever, 
in her camera and she is seeing in the hallway or in rooms the nurses and what's his name the doctor's name Vanneke. Dr. Vanneke. she's seeing him performing surgery and doing this but then of course when she puts the camera down she sees that you know nothing's it's there so she's obviously there, seeing yeah. ghosts and it's really creepy because when she's watching the ghosts through her camera they all like slowly like get up and look at her and I would literally fucking diarrhea myself if that happened. She holds it together yeah, pretty does. well. Like, I feel like if she had um, made it through this, like, she might have actually lasted until Because she the kind end. of doesn't give a fuck either. Like, she, like, she, went she down to that basement cold. by herself. She's like, what else? Like, but then, um, obviously, yeah. uh, something comes right now. We see, like, lots of shots of weird things. Something look like an alien. Um, I don't know. So we hear her scream. And we jump back to the cocktail lounge of the asylum. And so um, we don't really know what happens to her, but it's pretty well um, understood, understood that she died. She's, yeah. Um, Pritchett's like, Jesus Christ, she's dead. <laughs> He's drinking. <laughs> I love him in this. <laughs> I, wish, I wish this Pritchett guy was my best friend. He's just so over the top. And so then they go, um, they being, we have um, the rest of them. We have Stephen Price, the doctor, finally gets up off of his ass. Um, Eddie, the baseball player, and Allie Larder go down to the basement to try to find where this bitch is. And they find her video camera and, like, a huge, disgusting pile of blood which looks like it's more than just blood. Like, what kind of doctor is Dr. Blackburn? Because you see him trying to help Pritchett with the cut <laughs> on his hand and earlier, and he's, like, pouring, like, malt liquor <laughs> yeah. over it or something. Like, who does that? Like, that's not yeah. a medical thing. He's probably, you like, a doctor of philosophy or, or brown like, liquor a doctor of religion. <laughs> um, and so they see that the blood trail goes up to the ceiling and into the wall. So it's pretty much like into the house, basically. So she was the Melissa Mars or whatever her name was, was basically killed and absorbed into the house, which is pretty cool, I think. Um, and so now they're back up in the uh, cocktail lounge and they're like, you're like freaking a little ahead out of me because they're Tan. still like, downstairs looking at the right. blood on they're her. like out of scotch thanks to you ass I love when he says that <laughs> <laughs> look see he just poured it twice so they're trying to just like get answers from Pritchett and Pritchett's like wasted and they're kind of figuring out that this really is Dude. kind of a haunted place and this isn't necessarily just um, prices you know games and Eddie is so strong that he just knocked the glass out of his hand and it shattered before he even <laughs> let go of it. No, Did I you see that? that? He like hits it and the, the sugar glass just disperses in a million pieces before it hits <laughs> anything. So as awesome as the effects are in this movie, um, Doug actually pointed out to me when we were watching this the other day that at like the 36 minute mark when Eddie and Sarah first go into the basement area, and they're shining the flashlights. You can like clearly see the <laughs> boom mic in the like right top corner of the screen, like moving around. He even like shines the flashlight on it. And so I don't know. 
I just feel like that's incredibly sloppy editing if you're going to put all of this effort into the effects and making this look really I fucking sinister. love seeing boom mics. Um, I love seeing boom, boom mics. It's there. like finding the needle in the haystack, and it's so funny. Get it! And it's like, wow, well, it's really taking me out of the movie. <laughs> uh, they're in the cocktail lounge, and uh, Mrs. Price looks around and she's finally, you know, drank enough and she says she has a gun and she's like, I'm going upstairs. I'm going to bed. If anyone comes upstairs, I'm going to fucking shoot you in the face. And I kind of believe her because she just seems like a nasty bitch. But she's sexy as hell, though, you know? Yeah, I mean, she just shot at her husband. Like, I mean, she didn't Yeah, she, just, him, she but... pointed her loaded gun to her husband and you know, shot a little bit, like, to the left of his head, but enough to the point where everyone's, like, fucking crazy. But he thought that, he says, he swears that he loaded the guns with blanks and that they were, the clips were welded in, which I don't think you can actually do. I'm not an arms dealer, I have no idea. Um, And clearly (laughs) I am, so, you know. That's your third job, I thought. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Vincent Price goes back to his little, like, control room and finds that his friend's face, this part is cool as shit, has been completely hollowed out. Like a ginormous um, ice cream scooper that had, like, was sharp, just, like, scooped out this whole fucking guy's, like, face and brains. Somebody melon-balled like, his just, melon. Like, uh, he's just, like, a shell of a, of a head. And it's actually a really cool shot. And he's seeing, um, Price is now seeing in the, the monitors, he's seeing Dr. Vandicut, is that what it is? Vald- Vandicut? Vandicult? Um, Vandicut. Walking around. And so he knows, now that we know that Price is not orchestrating this at all, like he was fucking horrified seeing that his friend is dead. I really love this movie. I like that he's moving around too, like... Um... Dr. Vanekin is moving around uh, kind of like one of those old-fashioned like silent movies where it's like choppy, real, and the Gothica movement. That's how people used to walk around those days. That wasn't just an effect of the the film. You would just like... Oh, that's how they walked and and, uh, nobody talked. They just held up placards and like the world was like steppy-atoned. Yeah, that was totally how it was. So we don't really know very much about this Dr. Blackburn fellow. He has no personality to us at all whatsoever. He hasn't really been around. Uh, This is the Peter Gallagher, a.k.a. Caterpillar Eyebrows. (laughs) (laughs) Also, so Eddie and Sarah are trying to pry open the... um the steel plates that have kind of closed off all of the exits and windows. And they have <laughs> yeah, where did they get like, trident trident from? <laughs> I threw a trident. Well, obviously, they're right next to the sea, so. <laughs> <laughs> I never noticed that it was a trident. Like, what, who has a trident laying around? Like, what is that even for? <laughs> I'm kind of jealous that I don't have a trident. Like, that's I know, I feel like you do need to have a trident. (laughs) Before we get an ice maker, we're getting a fucking trident. (laughs) Oh, my God, a trident. Okay, and so now we're walking in, and we're seeing Evelyn Price um, hooked up to the electromagnetic compulsive, convulsive, whatever thing, and she's being, the shit is being electrocuted out of her. We don't, I mean, last time we saw her, she was upstairs, so we're like, what the fuck? 
but she is violently being electrocuted. But if she was being electrocuted this hard, her skin would be like starting to burn and smoke, and we don't see that, but she was electrocuted hardcore for like yeah at least a minute also i feel like when you're electrocuted like your body kind of stops moving and she's like shaking violently like she's being raped yeah by it was a like the entity it's kind of it's kind of dramatic it was i mean <laughs> overacting is like the key to this movie so they all think that she's dead she has like a blood pack in her mouth that she releases so like a big bubble of blood comes out um and vincent Pratt. Stephen Price thinks that his wife is dead. He kisses her. You actually kind of see that he's in a little bit of pain about it. They're, they hated each other, but also a part of them loved each other at the same time, too. I feel like. Yeah, like they had a prenup agreement, so it's not like he would have lost anything by divorcing her, but I think that he really likes the companionship and I think and he really enjoys like yeah. their like hateful exchanges right, right. of words and um she does not want to divorce him because she'll get nothing. She right. really wants him dead. Um so this is all uh this is where we find out that she has kind of orchestrated her own death. And this is kind of in the um, this is in the first and the Dr. original movie where a death is faked. Um the woman's death was faked. And the doctor, the doctor is in on it because he's having an affair with Evelyn. Um, so yeah, all of that is still kind of the same. Um, but all of the actual supernatural ongoings are, you know, completely newly fabricated for this version. So we don't know yet that um, that Evelyn has been fucking caterpillar brows, but she has been. And then this yeah. this part bothers me because yeah. we find out at the end kind of the tie between all of these characters. And the fact that Evelyn and this Blackburn guy are fucking each other is really coincidental to why everyone is related to each other, kind of, in this way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. I just didn't want to go too far. But um, that's another weird plot hole. This movie has a lot of plot holes, but it's really fun to watch. Visually, it's really cool. Um, Like, the sets are really cool and, like, super creepy or whatever. But anyway... Well, anytime you're, you're, it's taking place at an asylum, right. it's going to be awesome. Like, Session 9. Like, oh, my God. Session 9. I fucking love that movie. Sick as fuck. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll do that so one, good. too. <laughs> um, and so, basically, they think that Price is up to this. And so, they take him and they... And that Price and has they killed his wife. And they force him into the saturation chamber, which Nicole said earlier was, like, that looks like a little gas chamber that has crazy shit going on inside of it that was supposed to cure schizophrenia but like it's the most horrifying thing in the world it's like one of those um it's a circular room and it has like the kind of um like the little window frames uh like they had for um making old movies back in the day like the old reel where it goes from frame to frame and speeds up and makes you know makes it look like exactly. it kind of like, like a, a flip book. book and it's got like a scary thing. like um, clown faced like I don't know, old-timey, I mean, just from the 20s or whenever this place actually ended up burning to the ground, like, this was the treatment they used, and so it's, like, super fucking creepy. And um, Blackburn has him in the chamber, and he's turning it up to, like, maximum overdrive of freakiness. Yeah, they're trying to basically, Yeah, like, they think that he's dead. They think that he's behind the fact that his he... wife is dead. Well, and he right. kind of and freaked out and was accusing yeah. all of them and pointing guns at them. So it's really for 
their own safety. They don't know that Blackburn is going and to turn the And Blackburn is being, like, really sadistic at this, this point. Like, he's looking agenda. at him through the little, like, submarine window, and he's, like, laughing and giving him thumbs up. So we know that something weird is going on with Blackburn at this point. It's like, why would you enjoy torturing somebody? Like, he's actually liking doing that. So we kind of figure out there that there that there is some sort of connection between Caterpillar and the prices. One of my favorite... <laughs> favorite things is like so Stephen Price is stuck in this chamber and um they have like the you know in case of emergency or whatever you know in case of extreme discomfort like, <laughs> yeah, on these which they do nothing what they do I don't know nothing. how are supposed to help call you down but <laughs> I'm like why don't I you know, just close I his fucking down in the eyes like, that's a lot easier my head. eyelids Those are nature's goggles and he like puts his hands up and he's like whoa and like with these goggles that seem to only <laughs> amplify the effects of this like horrific thing that's like going on this merry-go-round of terror that's yeah. going around it's like the gravitron do you remember the gravitron ride at like carnivals it was like the ufo thing yeah stand on the wall and it would spin around really fast and you would like lose gravity those. and like i love up. those so much that's kind of what this thing reminds me of. I would get so motion I heard, sick like, there was an urban this, legend that thing. at one of them in I'm my town or something, on bomb a Gravitron, someone, like, you know, you're, like, stuck to the walls or whatever, the centrifugal met- force or whatever, and somebody vomited, and the vomit smacked back into their face, and they couldn't breathe, and they died. That was an urban legend. That sounds like an urban I don't know legend, what really happened, but, but that's um, really kind of hilarious to me. Can you imagine being stuck to the wall and seeing someone choking on their own vomit? You're like, what the fuck? There's nothing you can do. That's not very hilarious. I don't know why I said that. I think it would just be, I think I would be more concerned about someone else's vomit <laughs> touching me. They would die if dying. their vomit touched me. I would kill them myself. That's just the sadist in me. <laughs> Like, choking on someone else's vomit to death Oh my is god, like I'd rather just drown in regular water, like, in a horrifying way with sharks around it, than actually have to choke on somebody else's vomit. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> vomit is so gross. Like, poop is gross, pee is gross, but, like, vomit is, like, kind of grosser than poo, even, to me. It's just, I, ugh. For me, it's snot, dude. Other people oh, snot. Oh, yeah, snot. Oh. <laughs> I don't even, like, you, know, you see other parents, like, using those little, like, suction bulb things in their kids' noses oh, to get their boogers. Oh, my God. Sorry, yes. kid, you're going to learn to blow your own nose at five months, or you're just going to be <laughs> congested. I'm not sucking your snot out with a squeaky thing. <laughs> well, there's this one thing that I saw my friend had on her, like, baby shower registry, that it was literally like a straw that you would put in your baby's nose and you yourself would suck through your mouth. Oh my god, that's and like, like some Alicia's Alicia like, Silverstein shit where you're going like, to chew up your baby's food and spit it into their mouth for them like a mama bird. Uh, like I'm not going to siphon out my uh, kid's snot with a straw. <laughs> and apparently there's like a barrier so the snot doesn't get into your mouth, but it's like, you know, I don't have kids. I don't understand like loving kids or like loving your family members, like, your kids. Oh, my God. I could never... Uh, I'm going to get sick thinking about it. Fucking <laughs> We can't talk about this anymore. I'm done. We can't talk about that anymore. 
all of the gore and horror that we watched together, and this is what made Chelsea just throw up in her mouth a little. Um, so. From now on, every time my friend has a baby shower, I'm all getting them the snot sucker upper. That's just going to be my standard gift. For all you should just get him a crazy children. straw for it. Make it fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, back to the show. Back to the show. Um, so there's like a see- long um, a period of hallucinations that you're seeing of Stephen Price's um, because he's kind of having a psychotic breakdown inside the saturation chamber. And, and um, Tay Diggs and Allie Larder, they find themselves kind of in the office and they're seeing on, um, there's like a framed picture and they're realizing that all of the pictures of these people uh, has their names under them. And they're realizing that this is how the guest list was made. Jennifer Jensen's ancestors were there. Um, the Blackburn's ancestors were there. Uh, and so everybody that's in the house had a family mem- member die during the fire massacre thing that happened in you know, back whenever. And so that's Which why I'm glad the that they at least explain. Um, because I was like, Schroeder, that's a strange name for a black man. Um, but they explained that he's adopted. So I was like, Yeah, at the end. He doesn't adopted, look of German descent, but None. They're just like, uh, we have this loose story in, so we're just gonna say he's adopted. We really know. want Tay Diggs to be in this, but he can only be included in the group if he's adopted. That will explain <laughs> him being black. I'm glad that they, that they didn't kill the black guy, though. I really enjoy that. That's very progressive. So my so. Aunt Renee is very conservative. And um, she and my mom had been doing all this ancestry stuff to, like, find our roots. And they were expecting to find a lot of Native American. And they found out that we have, like, a good bit of black ancestry in my mom's I side bet. of the family. My aunt is freaking out, like, no way, that can't be true. She's very, like, hoity-toity and proper. She's like, there's no way, this can't be true. She even, like, did a DNA swab and sent it in to have it analyzed and make sure she went through, like, several was different ancestry things. Was she that afraid things. of having she, Yeah, she, it, like, it, it seriously bothered her, and my mom is That's like, I don't understand why this bothers you, Renee. I think it's cool and fascinating that we're learning out about ourselves. And my aunt is just, I don't know, Rhonda, it's just how I was raised, my mom mom's like we were fucking raised the same way and i'm not a racist <laughs> like and so now That's my dad crazy. um because he's just really mean and likes to fuck with people he's been calling her like ranifa and then <laughs> she was complaining the other day about um how badly she needed to get her hair done because um it, it was really dead and dry and just horrible and he's like that's just because you're nappy headed <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my fun, uh, <laughs> my racist extended family story. Jesus but... Christ. <laughs> um, so back to the movie. Blackburn wanders into the room where dead Mrs. Price is laying, and he starts kissing her and like molesting her corpse, which is kind of weird. He gives her um, a syringe shot, which I'm assuming wakes her up. And they start making out. So we we realize that now that it was some sort of like Romeo and Juliet drug where, you know, she was drugged out and he brought her back. 
So she well, and he's the one old. pronouncing her dead because he's like the doctor of fine arts or whatever he is. <laughs> so I mean, he, he probably, got probably his still had a degree from like and... correspondence college. Yes, I got my PhD from the University of Phoenix. <laughs> I and have so... an honorary degree from Votech. <laughs> From DeVry, you may have heard of it. Um, and so we find out that him and her have been fucking. And the fact that they both have people related to this tragedy at the at the asylum is kind of too weird to be well, a coincidence. she doesn't. She's a, she is priced by marriage. No, no, no. No, no, no. Her. No, 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 no. Her uh, maiden name is Stockard, and there was oh, someone named Stockard. Oh, and that Stockard. was the nurse. Was the nurse? That's right. Yep. So she is related as well. So just like the statistics of this happening is like one and like never, but whatever, it happens. It's called serendipity, Chelsea. And John Cusack was in an amazing movie about it. Of belief. I love that movie, and then I cry and get depressed. <laughs> And then I want hot chocolate. <laughs> and then I'm like, let's go ice skating at Rockefeller Center. <laughs> For $45 a pop. Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then I just want to read Life and Death of Cholera or what, Life and the Whatever of Cholera. That Life and the Time of Cholera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many copies of that book sold after that fucking stupid ass movie came out. I don't know. Right now, 1984 sales have skyrocketed. I saw that. We are living in an alternate universe. So when Republicans get freaked like, out, they buy guns. Like, and when Democrats get freaked out, they buy books. <laughs> it's like, this is Back to the Future Part 2, and we are in the alternate 1985. Like, Doc needs to come back and fix this shit, because this is not okay. So, um, Evelyn actually ends up killing Dr. Blackburn. Um, he shouldn't be surprised because she's pretty much a sociopath. But, um, you know, she's been using him for whatever. And she doesn't then, want to leave behind witnesses and then have to split her inheritance. and Right. And so she kills him uh, pretty cruelly. And he's like, oh, why do you do this to me? And it's like, why do you think? Like, she's fucking crazy biatch. She stabs him with a scalpel a bunch. Like, she would have yeah. to hit some major arteries for him to, like bleed out as quickly as he bled out you know what i'm saying (laughs) and then there's like the reflection of her in his eye and they do that's that's kind of cheesy but so now we are back up at the cocktail lounge where your host chelsea would always be at hanging out with pritchett he at this point is shit-faced um and now tay diggs and ali larder are looking all over for blackburn um, wondering where he is. Pretty much this whole movie is people splitting up and being lost from each other and then trying to find each other in, like, creepy hallways. And stuff. What is that device that he's spinning around? It has, like, miniature clocks, and it's like the <laughs> random <laughs> desk toy is in the lounge. Like, it's it's really like bizarre. a toy you'd find at, like, the sharper image. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like not something you would put in a bar area like people aren't going to get drunk and want to party and just like spin around a little metal thing it's like getting those clicky balls <laughs> it's like what somebody would have like in wall street on their like mahogany desk <laughs> 
made of gold from the teeth of people that were in the Holocaust. (laughs) (laughs) My friend just told me the other day that he went to the Holocaust Museum when he was younger and he took a shit on like the floor with like the shoes the dead kids shoes and stuff and he said he's always felt kind of weird and guilty about that that he took a shit right next to all that shit. why would you do that <laughs> i think it's really well he went to a restroom it wasn't like he did it oh. on the floor <laughs> that's what i'm thinking like you made it sound like he took a dump like in these kids shoes like Haha, i'm pranking you <laughs> but he says he just feels weird that he took a shit in the holocaust museum When you gotta go, you gotta go. They open the saturation chamber um, to get Price out, and they find Blackburn's body in there, and he's been decapitated, and his head is, um, like, stuck on the door on the inside. Um, So, of course, they Probably because his eyebrows were, like, greased, and his eyebrows are so big, it's like Velcro. (laughs) They just stuck him to the wall. (laughs) (laughs) It's called static electricity! That's one of my I favorite do sketches Velcro from SNL so with bad. So they Velcroed him to the saturation chamber door. And they're still looking <laughs> for Melissa. It's like, get up on Melissa already, man. Just move Somebody's on. Somebody's been decapitated, and there was a lot of blood, like, on the ceiling from her, like, freaking nightmare like, on the Like, so much fucking blood that no one would survive. Like, get over it and move on. I don't even think that skinny bitch had that much blood in her body. <laughs> Just, like, get over it. She's dead. Somehow they all get separated again. Oh! And Vincent Price, fuck, Stephen Price, pops out. (laughs) And he's all covered in blood. And he's saying, like, I just woke up, you know, and he's, like, all fucked up, obviously. And Allie Larder's character is by herself, of course, but she has a gun. And she's thinking that he's orchestrating this whole thing. Because I would, too. I'd be like, you're obviously baiting me for a million dollars because you're doing all of this. Like, you want people to be, like, fucking freaked out of their minds so they don't take your money. Like, this is the fucking game. But he uh, is saying that he has nothing to do with anything. And she's freaking out. Things are getting, like, super intense. And um, she ends up shooting around him. And then she shoots him. Like four hundred times. I know. Even though there's there's only like nine rounds in that that gun. (laughs) But like she just keeps shooting these imaginary bullets, and so she just like kills the shit out of him. I'm a little disappointed that they didn't have more um, really good like background soundtracks for this. I don't know. I feel like in 90s movies, like I always want to hear Chumba Wumba in the background or something. (laughs) Top (laughs) Thumper. I get knocked down and I get up again. I'm blue, da ba dee ba da da ba dee da ba da da ba dee da ba da. I feel like if they played Mbop, it would have given it like a completely different feel to this movie. They really fucked up with that then. So Tay Diggs finds her um, after she has shot Vincent. Fuck my life! Stephen Price! Um, and Evelyn is now walking out. She's, like, covered in blood. She's this sinister I love that shot of her, of her, like, nightgown with all of its, yeah. like, meshy, flowy layers and the dried blood and some of its wet and glistening. And, I, like, I her titties so are pushed cool. out and, like, she looks gorgeous. She's, like, the empress of death. 
and her eyebrows um, do all of the talking for her like that's mm-hmm. a real woman so she sees the corpse of her husband She's and kind of taunting she's telling him, him and... like, it could have been, we should have a divorce from the first moment I set eyes on you. I've always loved your money. And then he grabs her by the throat. <laughs> because he's not dead. He's wearing a bulletproof vest, which explains why there is no blood from his wound. <laughs> That's why you should always, like, ladies and gentlemen who are listening, like the four of you that are going to listen to this, always shoot somebody in the face. Because you never know who's going to be wearing a fucking bulletproof vest. Especially I saw, so I'm, I'm a Steven member of Price. those, like, so go for the I'm a member on Facebook face. of those, like, garage sale groups where it's, like, buy, sell, and trade, like, your shit on Facebook. And somebody the other day was selling a bulletproof vest. I was like, who's going to buy that? one of those on like, the reg. He's like, I just need a bulletproof vest for my own protection. Like, I just trap it off when I go to the neighborhood the Walmart. selling a, uh, selling what they said it was a bed set but it was just a shot of a bunch of different guns on a bed so it's so weird oh it's yeah weird honey have you feeling. seen my bulletproof vest i need to run down to the gas station for some smokes <laughs> does this vest make me look fat <laughs> <laughs> does it push my boobs down it looks like it would yeah like hold your boobs down maybe i should wear one when i run it looks oh, also because that's I live a new in Baton thing. Rouge and we have high crime. But I think you're onto something. I know. So um, Vincent Price, Stephen Price wakes up and starts fighting Evelyn because obviously the whole truth about her, like, I just wanted your money. So they get in some sort of physical fight and she like flies through a wall. This place has like shitty walls, I guess. And <laughs> well, clearly they they built the brick from the like top. There's to the no bottom. mortar, like. <laughs> They're just, yeah, it was like Legos that built this place. And um, suddenly we see some sort of uh, weird, like, shadow thing come down into the basement to where she's at. And it makes kind of a cool sound. Um, And then we see this, it's, like, very sexual looking. It's, like, this organic, It looks like a uterus. It kind of looks uterus shape. It looks like what's happening during my period, which I'm having right now, this is what my uterus looks like right now with like the cramping. Me too. This is what it looks like inside my uterus. And so um, this giant uterus grabs Evelyn and um, kills her. Obviously it like takes her in and she kind of modifies. She turns into ashes. I love that. It's so like Indiana Jones. Yeah. The effects are, this is great for, for 99 for sure. And so we kind of see the full force of the house. Like we see what the, the paranormal thing that's happened. Um, and, and then he's still we trying see, to save her. Uh, like he door still opens. Like, has a love for her and is trying to get her out before she gets taken. Right. Um, I mean, if he's unsuccessful, but it's interesting to see that she was kind of like the more like disconnected person in their relationship. Um, Maybe that's just like a habit though that you would just do like an instinct that you would reach for someone. I don't know, but this giant fucking cervix and uterus is just like getting bigger and bigger. I actually read that it's a bunch of naked women and that they shot in like a different. So that's why it looks so organic and feminine. Um, They, well, yeah, and you can see that. all the hands reaching out. Um, it kind of has Evelyn's face on it, and she's 
trying to convince him to join the rest of them with the house. At this point, I would be so scared. I'd be like, okay. I'd be like, fine, whatever. I can't handle this anymore. Like, I'm dead. Fine. I'll join you guys. <laughs> yeah, like, everybody, they show Melissa Mars later, and she's like, come be with us, Sarah, and, like, all this stuff. And I think, um, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it. We'll get to that in a minute, but... um I don't oh, know, it's weird, but, like, it. when you become dead, like, instantly, you're, like, one of them, you're not, like, haunted, you're, like, an advocate of the haunting, um, like, you're totally fine with it. Yeah, um, it's not, it doesn't seem that bad. It really doesn't, like, they seem happy. Yeah, they have I, some friends. I would be, like, more no, friends I, than they I'm did scared, before. I'm just gonna lay down and die, it's fine. So Price is uh, banging on the door. He's locked in the basement. He's trying to get out. Um, Nobody is letting him out because they're freaked out by him. Pritchett opens the door and the ghost grabs him. um, Which is sad. That's the saddest death in this whole fucking movie. But he's the only one. He's the only ghost. Maybe because he wasn't like a selfish, terrible person in life. He's the only ghost that like in the end doesn't really join their ranks of like trying to murder right. everyone. He's a nice ghost. Um, yeah, he's a he's a friendly ghost like Casper, which is another great <laughs> name for the friendly film. ghost. <laughs> if Devin Sawa showed up, then we'd be good. <laughs> <laughs> And so at this point, like the whole the whole place has just gone to shit. Um, this the big black smoke entity, the nothing. It's like never ending story. The nothing is coming and sw- and like shaking the whole building, and it's just like coming. Everything's for you. collapsing. It's turning into monster house. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> the house is alive and shifting, and yeah, uh, you know, it forms like a giant tremors monster type mouth. It's it's everywhere. Giant worm. I don't know. It's it's pretty fucking cool, though. It and is I, cool I did want to point out, like a lot of these graphics that we were talking about that are very uterine. Um, it's almost the exact same graphics in during the intro for Hemlock Grove, which stars in. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if they kind of got inspired by this movie, um, because you know it has some of the same star in it. But um, I don't know. I thought that was really cool that it it like was unmistakably like that's the first thing I thought when I saw it. And so Eddie and um, the Jennifer Jensen, Allie Larder faker um, are together. They're running away. They kind of see for a second that this the scary ghost thing comes up to them, but then it leaves. And so we're thinking like, what? Oh, wait, she's a fucking liar. Like her name isn't Jennifer Jensen. Jensen was a person that was in the fire to begin with, and so she actually isn't a relative of the fire, so they are going to be spared because the house that has no fucking qualms against them, like, her has, like, no issues Yeah, with he's them. adopted, and, you know, they don't want to be racist, they're just psychotic, you know, they're not right. going to kill a black guy right. that's innocent. They're not the U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Price is still running around like fucking crazy... Um, and then he just opened up, he just found where, like, the, the switch is for, um, opening the the iron slates, iron plates, slates, plates, and my gates, I don't know. 
there's like a wagon wheel on the wall like it's supposed <laughs> to do something but it's like just <laughs> like they really got resourceful and just used what they had lying around to build that they place. spent all their money on the cg so they're like just throw this wagon wheel on there and I like that Melissa is pandering to Sarah. Melissa's ghost is pandering Which is to Sarah. weird because they like, weren't they were even not friends. friends to begin with. Like, why would like, you be like, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> they could have literally just picked any random ghost. I don't know why she hesitates. Like, she can save her. She's clearly part of some I've known you for like, 15 minutes and then you die. Like, I'm not going to, like, go out of my way. <laughs> yeah. And so they're trying to get away. At this point, it's just Eddie and Allie Larder. Here's like to a get new, away. newly delivered like cardboard box package that has never been opened. And like I would understand all the old crates and stuff because that's how they mailed shit in the 30s. But they definitely didn't use like cardboard boxes back then. So I don't know where that came from. Who's <laughs> accepting FedEx packages at the door of the abandoned <laughs> This is UPS. <laughs> I just sent you a telegram from the Pony Express. <laughs> and uh, in in a very out of character move, uh, Stephen Price pushes Sarah out of the way of the ghost and gets absorbed into um, its weirdness and kind of blows up into like scrap pieces of paper and glitter like uh <laughs> The whirlwind of glitter and sadness. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently the ghosts are flammable because they just grabbed onto a rope and it caught fire and snapped. Um, So and so the window opens a little bit. They've gotten open. She's like on a fucking cliff on like a window ledge, and the door slams and he can't get out. But she literally, it's not even like a deck. It's like probably the size of like a throw rug in your house. Like size of like fucking, and there's like no railings or anything. It's like thinner than a doormat. There's no way that (laughs) she's like, and with the wind whipping around, like there's no way that she can like stand up and bang on the, (laughs) on this steel door. I would be like paralyzed with fear just sitting at where they are because they do a pan out at the very end, and they are literally, like, sitting at the top of this insane asylum with, like, a cliff with, like, the ocean below. Like, it's certain death. And um, the ghost is coming. Eddie is trapped. Um, and then Pritchett comes <laughs> as a ghost. Pritchett, and who was apparently observed out. by the other ghosts, did not become one of their, like, did not morph into their, like, little ghost orgy thing they have yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, and he opens up the door so that Eddie can get out. And Eddie's um, like, I'm adopted! <laughs> he, like, what I love is that he, like, jumps and slides out of the window, but, like, not enough to fall off. He yeah, he does, like, a tuck and roll even, literally but, been like, longer they're still fine. Yeah. Doesn't make much sense. And so it then, also bothers me because they pull out the envelope it gets slid under the door with all of the uh, million dollar cashier's checks. And so they and get like six just, million like, dollars. holding them like loosely. They're like flapping. I'm like, I really wish that at the end they had just blown out of their hands into the wall. Oh my God, that would be hilarious. And so they're on. So they see that they want all this money. They're going to have to claim their, that on their taxes or whatever. But um, 
And also explain to the cops how everyone died and nobody's body is there. Right. And they have this money and are not guilty of murdering everyone. <laughs> Even though they both have motive. But now... is there to corroborate their stories. But now we're on a ledge overlooking, like, the ocean and there's no fucking way they would be able to get off this ledge. So I'm not sure kind of how that's supposed to end at all. Well, I think at the beginning, they uh, Pritchett reminds them that somebody will be there at 930. So we just hope that he enter. He like comes by boat and sees them on the ocean facing side. Yeah. And like doesn't die from the like crazy, scary uterus that's inside. (laughs) Right. It's really I also wonder how much of their five million dollars they're going to have to spend on late fees for those blockbuster rentals. (laughs) (laughs) And lawyer fees. They're going to be, like, convicted of murdering all of these people. It wasn't worth it. Or making them disappear because there are no fucking bodies except for Melissa's and Blackbird. I don't know. There's fucking blood all over that place, though. And in 99, I think they started DNA testing. But you're right. It's all about those blockbuster late fees. It's all about the late fees, yeah. And so... That's what probably caused Blockbuster to go under is the fact that they didn't collect so many late fees. Yeah. I still have, like, DVDs, like, in Blockbuster cases. I do, too. I have one, and I feel bad because I owed, like, $7, and then they bankrupt, and I'm like, I guess it's my movie now. <laughs> Man, I should have saved him with my $7. <laughs> I could have saved the whole corporation. <laughs> if Blockbuster only was around long enough to see the GoFundMe phase. <laughs> So, anyways, thank you, everybody, for listening. This is Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Undead. This is our 13th scary, special, haunted 13th episode. Uh, I'm Chelsea. Uh, With me is Nicole. We watched House on Haunted Hill. We had a good time. We hope that you had a good time, and we have a really great lineup for this spring. So, I'll see you later.